1: Bit cold. <laughs> That's
0: Susie Dent. I'm Giles Brandreth and welcome to another episode of Something Rhymes With Purple. It's because Halloween is almost upon us, uh, which is why I was getting a bit spooky. Ooh. That you need to do better than that, Giles. <laughs> doesn't that frighten you? Doesn't that not frighten uh, you? Inward. We're, we're, no, clearly it doesn't. Well, I'm glad it doesn't. I don't want to frighten anybody. No, that's I, true. I always know, I mean, my, my wife and I, when we watch television, we can't watch anything that's even vaguely frightening. The moment in any drama the cellos begin playing, my wife says, <laughs> there's about to be a murder. We've got to change sides. And we, we've never seen any of these murders because the moment the cellos strike up, we're...
1: What about Murder, She Wrote or something like that? Surely, surely you could stomach
0: those. I love Angela Lansbury. She's amazing. Murder, She Wrote is great fun. She was 95, you know, the other day. Remarkable person. She really is. But no, that's as far as we ever go. Okay. Even Miss Marple with Joan Hickson. She was the definitive (sighs) Miss Marple. She
1: was amazing. She was was quite scary, to be fair.
0: There was something rather scary and spooky going on there. And yes. when things, and I, at night, if I'm alone and there's a little creaking floorboard, I'm alarmed. Anyway, Halloween is in the air. I'm glad I wasn't spooky, even I was trying to sound as if I was. We've covered lots of wicked words to do with Halloween this time last year, I think. So if you want that sort of thing, you can go back and find our episode called Gobelinus.
1: Was that how you pronounce it? Oh, gobelinus, I think. Yes. Ah, Goblinus. Yes.
0: Absolutely, it's to hear all about goblins and ghouls, goblinus. Uh, why, why was it called goblinus? Can you remember?
1: Oh, I could, honestly, I'll have to go back to our podcast. Good, um, they're worth yes, listening to again. So, this year for us, <laughs> uh,
0: uh, we thought we'd focus on words that are gruesome and grisly rather than the words that have a, a specific connotation connected with Halloween. So let's let's look at some of the words connected with. Things that are thrilling and frightening and alarming, like the feeling I have when watching anything that's supposed to be thrilling. It doesn't thrill me. What's the origin of the word thrill, by the way?
1: Uh, Thrill is one of the best English etymologies there is because you probably wouldn't guess its relatives or its relations. So thrill goes back to um, a really old word meaning to pierce so actually if you thrilled somebody centuries ago this is anglo-saxon times you would pierce a hole in their body so it was to literally bore a hole in someone and from there a thrill or a thirl as it was often written was a hole and a window before the viking word took over and we had vindalga which means eye of the wind a window in anglo-saxon times was called an eye thirl an eye opening because of course there was no glass there was no glazing at all it was just that the eye of the wind the vikings were right and an eye thirl was just a hole that you could look through and our nostrils were originally nose thirls or nose thrills so they were holes under our noses so it's all about holes The thrill is about a hole. Yes, pierced with excitement. That's the idea of being thrilled. You are literally pierced through with uh, fascination or excitement. So there are lots
0: of words, are there, that have a kind of grim origin, but now mean something else, because to be thrilled now is to be excited, to be happy. Exactly.
1: That's what I thought would be fun to talk about today is not the kind of obviously horrific or spooky words, but ones that actually are pretty grisly when you dig a little bit below the surface. but, But on the surface, they look actually pretty innocent.
0: Give me another example then.
1: Well, one other one, which I'm often asked about by Countdown viewers, is paying through the nose. Um, And if you pay through the nose, you basically pay an awful lot of money. And there's a very grisly tale attached to the expression which suggests that the Danes, again, the the Vikings, imposed a hefty tax on people. And those who were unable or refused to pay had their noses slit. Mm. But colourful as it is... The chronology of the phrase doesn't work because the phrase doesn't emerge until the 17th century. So that's quite a long time for a punishment from so long ago to kind of be reflected in language. And it's two theories. One is that uh, it will make you have a nosebleed because the price is so high. Or it might go back to a 400 year old slang term rhino, which was a term for money. And if you were rhinoterical, you were really rich. And rhinos is the Greek word for nose, which is why you have rhinoplasty if you have a nose job.
0: And is that why a rhinoceros is called a rhinoceros because of its exactly. great proboscis or that nose horn? Yes. How interesting! So the yes. word rhino came before rhinoceros.
1: Yes. Absolutely. Um, so that's one of them. I mean, there's so many. It's mayhem. I mean, if something is mayhem, it's just very chaotic these days. But actually that is a sister and it factors alternative spelling to maim, to maim somebody. So mayhem was all about murder originally. Um, do you remember me telling you about sarcasm and sarcophagus and how sarcasm meant to burn the flesh? It goes back to a Greek verb for burning the flesh. And the idea is that a sarcastic comment is so caustic that it figuratively burns your flesh and it's a a sibling of sarcophagus sarcophagi were essentially made of a certain kind of limestone that decomposed the flesh the corpse so if you put in a sarcophagus
0: the idea was that your body evaporated quickly
1: very quickly so sarcasm and sarcophagus are related so yeah sarcasm is a really grisly word
0: what about sardonic
1: Oh, sardonic. Yes. If you have a sardonic smile, it might be a slightly bitter one. And bitter is is the right word there because sardonic is thought to come from a word meaning a plant of sardinia. And it was probably a legend, but the idea was that if you sampled this poisonous plant with very bitter tasting leaves, it would cause you to kind of take on this really horrible, grinning, rectus expression on your face before you died. So a sardonic smile is because you had eaten the plant of Sardinia.
0: I seem to remember you telling me that there are some words that now have a very sweet connotation but didn't start out that way. Mm. Bless being one of them.
1: Yes, bless is an interesting one, actually. So bless goes back to the idea of blood, really. It goes back to consecrating with blood. So it was all about sacrifices um, originally before it took on the meaning of the consecration without the blood involved. And
0: in French, blessé is a wound wound. Is that absolutely. connected in the same way?
1: Yes, blessure. And absolutely, I think they're all linked. That's really good. I've never thought about that link before, actually. What I will need to do is look in a good French etymological dictionary, which, believe it or not, is a brilliant thing to do. Um, and there are some free online ones, because quite often the dictionary will say to you, from the French, and that's that's not really the story, is it? You've got to trace it all the way back and find out why the French called it that. So I'm going to do some investigations into that one.
0: Give me some more everyday English words that have unexpected and rather gruesome origins?
1: Um, Well, have you ever been told that you have been in someone's black books?
0: Yeah, constantly. Okay.
1: Well, black books are said to go back to when Henry VIII was involved in the dissolution of the monasteries. It was said that any of the monasteries who were targeted for, well, closure is putting it very mildly, um, for dissolution, that they sins or the misdemeanors of the monks in those monasteries would be all listed in a black book that was kept by henry VIII, and it was a very serious thing because obviously serious punishments could ensue so that was the very first meaning we think of black book to be in someone's black books means that you are not singled out for favor shall we say
0: well, the, the word black with black magic, black arts, this is all to do with witches and witchcraft, and black pointed hats and black robes and things. That's what black magic is about. It's black magic meaning wicked magic, is it? Black arts yeah, meaning and quite wicked often.
1: You have to wonder at what point some racism started to creep in, in that white was always the good thing and black was always the bad thing. But certainly on the surface of it, black indicated darkness and the mystery of death. But, you know, we used to have white magic. So black was the opposite of white magic and white magic was for the good of people. It was benevolent as opposed to malevolent. Similarly, we used to have white male as well as black male. And white male were the legitimate taxes that were paid fairly to um, landlords etc whereas blackmail were bribes and money that were obtained through extortion so they've often been those kind of polar opposites um throughout history but yes yeah, certainly to do with the darkness and mystery of death which is why the black box that you hear about on missing aeroplanes they're not actually black they're orange but black box was chosen not because in fact another another meaning of black box was a coffin in fact which is a bit grisly but it was to the blackness inside it the sort of you know the the mystery. It's an all seeing, all knowing system that we can't see, but that records everything.
0: What about you speak of being on an aeroplane, travel? I seem to have a folk yeah. memory that travel has an unusual origin.
1: Yes. So travel, because travel was often quite arduous, um, well, it can still still be quite arduous, as we all know. In French, travel is travail, which also means work. So it's all to do with sort of, you know, quite difficult things. But also we in English have travail. And travail is kind of painful or laborious effort. And in fact, it originated in an instrument of torture called the tripalium that consisted of three stakes. Mm -hmm. But you know, it was all about hard work. So the two forms, travel and travail, were once completely interchangeable. And as I say, it was all about torture, really. So anyone thinking that, you know, a long journey is tortuous um, actually has some etymological backing there.
0: I want a whole episode devoted to instruments of torture. People <laughs> love, no, people love that sort of thing.
1: Do you know, um, English is full of it, but I did once get a letter from a countdown viewer. We, we rarely get criticism, or at least it rarely gets passed on to me by the lovely Countdown Office. But they did say, could Susie at tea time please stop telling us such grisly and dark stories? And quite often those are the ones that really get people going, ooh. But you know, they are fascinating and English is jam-packed with words, as I say, that look very, very kind of happy on the outside, but had quite have quite dark histories to them.
0: Give us another one then. I have a folk memory that you've got a good story about the origin of loophole.
1: Oh, well, yes, similar to the eye and the vindalga, the wind eye, because a loophole was a hole through which... People in a, in a castle who were defending the fortifications, they could then fire their shots. So there were these really narrow slots in a castle wall through which arrows could be fired. And it came to have its kind of modern legal use because quite often they are very, very subtle points, very fine, narrow points. But they will give you an exit route, which is exactly what those loopholes did.
0: Anymore Words with a sinister, ah, sinister, I say sinister. Everyone knows the origin of that. Sinister is as opposed to dextra. Sinister is the left hand, and things that are sinister are because the left is supposed to be the bad hand and the right is the good hand. Yes,
1: said to be behind so many different expressions in English, getting off on the wrong foot or getting out of the wrong side of the bed and all of that stuff. Um, It just seems very unfair, really, that left-handers have had such a rough ride over the years.
0: And I think in, in pantomime, not that we're getting many pantomimes this Christmas, I think I'm right in saying that the evil character always comes on from the left, And the good character comes on from the right.
1: Oh, really? Yeah.
0: So that the, exactly, stage left, stage right. So the the good fairy is always appearing on the right-hand side of the stage. And the wicked figure, whoever it may be, the demon king, Abenaza, whoever the cruel, wicked character is, they appear always on the sinister side.
1: That's interesting. You can see me on Zoom. No one else can be. But I'm desperately looking for a book that was going to be incredibly useful here. And I don't know where I put it. I thought I had it on my desk. I had this great book about it that I was telling Lawrence about, but it's fine; it's disappeared anyway. So, should I give you some
0: others? Give Give me some words with a sinister origin, as it were.
1: Well, bonfire—we're all gearing up for bonfire night over here. <laughs> oh, um, Maybe bonfire
0: night well, is something we have in true. this country to celebrate the. Well what is it to celebrate? It's to celebrate the arrest of Guy Fawkes and the yes. other conspirators. The saving
1: of parliament.
0: The saving the of idea. parliament, good grief. Um <laughs> but I don't think we're going to be having many bonfires this year are we?
1: Well, only in our back gardens likewise with trick or treating I'm not sure we'll get so much now but because um, we've
0: got to have groups of 6 is that's not, that's the maximum outside. I switched got 6 people around the bonfire. 6 people you could do,
1: But it depends what area you're in, because we're all in Britain. We are all under different jurisdictions, aren't we? Depending on where we are in the country. So we have three tiers. I know other countries have different uh, restrictions as well. But, um, well, bonfire, wherever you have them, that actually was originally a bone fire. So not from the French bonfire, meaning a nice fire, but a bone fire. Um, And into these fires were once thrown certainly the bones of animals who had been sacrificed, But it is said, the bones of heretics as well. So pretty grisly, the bonfire. Pretty terrible, in fact. And terrible, of course, as well as terrific, meant inspiring terror. Just as awesome meant inspiring awe. So those ones have really become quite diluted over time. Yeah,
0: they've been turned uh, uh, topsy-turvy, haven't they? Totally. More ones with a sinister origin. What about the expression chivying along?
1: Oh, Chevy. Yeah, that's a really interesting one. So the only thing I ever knew about Chevy Chase was really because he he was an American actor. Do you remember Chevy Chase? Oh, of course I remember
0: Chevy Chase. Yes. I met, I've met Chevy Chase. Oh, uh, no, like say Tell I've us met your everybody. Chevy Chase story. Uh, no, much of a Chevy Chase. He appeared on uh, TVAM in the 1980s. This is a, a breakfast television station in this country. And I used to appear on it wearing colourful knitwear. And Uh, Chevy Chase was over to promote a film of some kind and he turned up and we met Chevy Chase. And I thought Chevy Chase was a place. He turned out to be a, a very good looking man.
1: He was very good looking and he was in quite a lot of um, silly American films as well, I think, which is how I knew him. But anyway, that was the only, uh, to my shame, that was the only thing I knew about Chevy Chase. But he took his name, I think, from the ballad of Chevy Chase, which was an incredibly popular ballad, a uh, ballad, which is an, inc- <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I don't know I'm talking about ballads now. Okay, he took his name, I think, from the Ballad of Chevy Chase. <laughs> it's been a long week. <laughs> yeah, sorry. No, like I've this. lost my book. Hold on one second. She's there. lost
0: the blood, everybody.
1: Okay. So he took his name, I think, from the Ballad of Chevy Chase, which commemorates a landmark battle in the history of medieval Scotland and England, and it was honoured in lots of popular songs from the period. So in the 40, I think actually late 1300s, there was a, basically a border feud between the House of Percy and the Scottish House of Douglas and lots of raids across the borders um, and across the the Cheviot Hills, which were locally known as the Chevy Hills. And one skirmish in particular took a really heavy toll when the Earl of Douglas led a raid across the line, ravaged the countryside. The battle, which is called the Battle of Otterburn, killed nearly 2,000 people. And it was pretty awful. But as I say, it became a landmark battle. And it was called Chevy Chase because it took... Place across those Chevy or Cheviot hills, but you know also gave us the word to chivy because when you're chivying along your children or your team or yourself or whatever, it goes back to the idea of chevying so harrying or harassing or attacking someone, and yeah we we get it going back all the way to the Battle of otterbourne um, oh, amazing what year was that after burn even that was in third in the 1380, 1388
0: it was. So that's extraordinary. When you're chivying somebody along, you're using yeah. a word that has its origin in a 14th century battle between people in Northumberland and people in Scotland.
1: It is. And if you want something really macabre to finish that one off uh, with, the the change in spelling from chevy to Chivy was probably influenced by a term from the criminal underworld. This is going back to the 17th century, and it was chiv, meaning a knife, and Chivy, which was to slash someone with a knife. So all really quite grisly.
0: Grim stuff. We are doing grisly talk today on uh, uh, Something Rhymes With Purple. Susie needs to find a book. Go and find your book while we take a quick break. Okay. also from something else. Katie Piper's Extraordinary People. Join Katie for a series of powerful and inspirational conversations with people
1: who have triumphed over adversity. With guests including Fern Cotton. And what about when you get really lazy journalism? So like people that draw just one line, they take it out of context. And that's really sad because... It is, it is. And I've also been on the receiving end of it so, Mm. so many times. Sometimes... To really tragic levels for me, where I've really not felt able to cope with it. Yeah. Zoe Sug and Nadia Hussein. I think the, the thing with women, firstly, is that women sometimes don't always like to see other women succeed. Mm-hmm. And I, I, th- I think that's right. Yeah. yeah. And and I think there's a lot of that, and I think that's why just it, it's really hard sometimes because it, 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 in the last four years I've changed so much. Mm.
0: Listen now in Apple Podcasts. Spotify, and all good podcast apps. Susie, did you find that book?
1: I did. I'm so sorry. I can tell you a little bit more about some of these grisly words because I wasn't sure I was going to get my dates right. But being possessed by a god has inspired lots of words. We've talked about fanatic before, fanaticus, which was to be possessed by a demon of some kind, not always a good one, so any football fan you know clearly has also been possessed by a demon in a good or bad way depending on your point of view but if you were giddy as well if you were giddy and and kind of drunk with exhilaration or elation that again was from the idea of being possessed by a god so you were goddy as well as giddy um and a ventriloquist i find ventriloquists incredibly creepy do you
0: well, people clearly oh, do. because not the people, because, but the puppets. No, but people do because they make movies, don't they?
1: <gasps> that brilliant one with Anthony Hopkins. Was it called Magic? Yes.
0: The, the, ven- the dummy takes over and kills the ventriloquist. Oh, and I know it's got good something good. to do with the stomach.
1: Yes. Ventry. Absolutely. So, in fact, if you're ventripotent or ventripotent, you are big bellied, powerfully bellied. And so it's the same ventri here. And ventriloquist means speaking from the stomach. And again, the original ventriloquists were said to hang around outside temples and be speaking prophets, quite often of doom, because they were speaking from the stomach, which was occupied or inhabited by these demons. It's pretty, pretty grim stuff.
0: The ventriloquist I knew best was a man called Ray Alum who had a dummy called Lord Charles, and we appeared in pantomime together, and my dressing room was next to his. And I would regularly hear Ray Allen in his dressing room chatting to Lord Charles, And Lord Charles would be replying. You say, well, the show didn't go badly today. I thought it went quite well. No, I don't know. And you weren't on form. Oh, I was doing my best. Now, OK, it's time to go to bed. Now, I don't want to go to bed. And Ray Allen and Lord Charles would have a little ding-dong. And eventually he would sort of put the doll in the box and you could hear the doll protesting from inside the coffin. Extraordinary.
1: Oh, I just, yes, that really puts fear into me.
0: There was somebody called Rod Hull, Remember Rod Hunt, email? Yes. Oh, emu? goodness,
1: he had this ridiculous. Oh, sorry, sorry, Rod. Is Rod actually has Rod passed away?
0: I'll tell you why Rod is no longer with us. It's a perfectly. I mean, he is dead. Dead, gone. Sorry, Rod. Uh, no, it Rod, was your emu
1: I really didn't like.
0: It, it, a lot of people didn't like the emu, but he was it a It was huge, really painful. I mean, was a, I, oh, did, you, did he peck you? Well,
1: no, he didn't peck me, but I could see, I, I think he pecked Richard Whiteley, who used to present Countdown. And uh, I think he really, really didn't like it at all.
0: Well, he was a curious character, Rod Hull. And I feel in part responsible for his death. No. Um, because since you brought it up, wasn't going to raise it. I was going to celebrate this remarkable act. But on the night before he died, I happened to see him. We were both guests at the first night of a show in the West End called Animal Crackers. It's a show about the Marx Brothers. Okay. And I went with a friend of mine and sitting in the same row this first night was Rod Hull, without Emu. It was a cold and windy, windy night and Rod was complaining that he couldn't get a proper television reception. Mm. And he was desperate. There was a football match or something he wanted to watch, and he just couldn't get good reception. So my friend said to him, No, what you're gonna do, Rod. You've got to get up on the roof and you've got to adjust your aerial. It will be an aerial problem. Everything you describes makes it clear it's an aerial problem. So Rod Hull left us at the theatre and went back to his home. It was a windy, wet, stormy night. He got out a ladder, oh, put it against the side no, of the house, no. climbed onto the roof, and unfortunately Trying to mend, trying to fix his aerial, he fell the off the roof. The aerial that
1: you told him yes. to fix?
0: Yes, well, my friend actually told him. Okay. Trying to shift the plane bit. I was there, off. I was witness to this. And he fell off the roof. Oh, so, no. at one remove, I feel I almost killed Roy Hudd. That's, that's the way he went. Um, is it
1: Roy Hudd or Rod Hull?
0: I mean, Rod Hull. Roy, <laughs> Roy, Hudd is it Roy Hudd is also no longer with us, but he but he lived to a greater age. He is a record and, breaker, and, yes. And it was a lovely man. No, 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 that is Roy Castle. Roy <laughs> Castle is the record breaker. Roy Hudd was an actor and an authority on Music Hall and a lovely man. And he died last year um, and a few years before... Rod Hull died. He was the man who had emu. But the point is, at the funeral of Roy, Hull, uh, Rod, <laughs> at the funeral of Rod Hull, at the funeral of Rod Hull, as they brought the coffin of Rod Hull down the aisle, you could hear the tap, 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 of the emu inside the coffin. I don't know how he did it, but it was brilliant. Are you serious? I'm serious.
1: And then did he have his voice being played? Had he made a recording saying, let me out or anything? Uh, uh,
0: No, because if you remember, emu never spoke. Emu was just a ridiculous Uh, bird. That's
1: true, that's true. He was like Sooty.
0: We had a puppet in this country called Sooty and it never spoke. Sweep squeaked, Sooty never spoke, nor did the emu. The emu just bit your bottom.
1: Or your nose, in Richard's case. Okay. Give me one more
0: word with a sinister origin, please. Oh,
1: I'll give just a few. To haggle used to mean to cut to pieces. So just as you might slash a price, you also use to slash or mutilate. That's pretty nasty. To be caught red-handed is simply because the blood in your on your hands makes them red. And so on and so forth. And I haven't even talked about the ones that actually really get on people's nerves. So we ought to really talk a bit, if not today, then another time, about words that actually people find grisly and make their skin crawl. I've got past moist, as I will often tell you. Moist isn't really do anything to me anymore. It used to absolutely make my skin crawl and toes curl. The
0: reason you mention that is it regularly comes top of the pole when people are asked to name the word that makes their flesh creep. That's an expression given to us by Charles Dickens, isn't it? Yes. Flesh making the flesh creep. The idea of your skin actually creeping across your body. But (laughs) moist is a word that makes some people's flesh creep. What are the words you don't like that, that make you feel gross?
1: Flange. Oh. Bulbous. What's flange? Mean? A flange is is a kind of flap. Let's leave it oh. there. It can mean all sorts of different things, actually. I think to a tools person, I can't oh. ever flange means an awful lot of things. Oh, I don't I really remember understand that. it. I just hate the word.
0: I remember that from doing woodwork at school. Do you I know did. we had a we had a woodwork master who only had three fingers because he'd lost a finger. And I was in the woodwork class. When he showed us his hand doing the sort of safety talk, uh, kind oh, of. No. Yes. And he said, the, This electric saw goes round and round and round. I've only got three fingers because. Ah! And he oh, um, no. uh, put <laughs> no. his finger to demonstrate too close to the um, circulating store.
1: Not when uh, he was giving you the lesson. Yes.
0: Ended up with two fingers.
1: No. Yes. Charles, I'm not sure I can believe all these preposterous stories. (laughs) That's not true, is it?
0: It is true. He had the finger restored. He didn't lose the finger completely, but he was explained to us how he lost one of his fingers. And he, in doing so, did cut very severely his finger. And he introduced me to the flange.
1: Well, I think i take a flange over a cut finger any day, but no. I still don't like it. What were the other words um, you mentioned? Bulbous and scrofulous. Bulbous um, is
0: as in a great big gross nose, a bulbous yes, nose. Yes, What's pendulous. the origin of that? It looks like a bulb?
1: I think so. I don't even want to think about it, to be pendulous
0: honest. Pendulous is something hanging loose. Yes. Pendulous is buttocks hung down in pleats. And what was the other one you didn't like?
1: Um, scrofulous. I mean, we'll never get to use that these days, thank goodness, because it's all about the disease of the lymphatic glands that Samuel Johnson had. But it's just a horrible sounding word, scrofulous. Do you have
0: um, a psychiatrist or an analyst who you can go to see? Because these um, words that you're telling me that you can't cope with, pendulous, bulbous, yeah, I think this may be telling some of our more acute listeners more than they perhaps need to know about. The problems of Susie oh, Dent at this stage. Quite possibly.
1: 11. And the dog next door doesn't like them either, as you can hear.
0: Oh, is there a dog yapping in the background?
1: There's a dog yapping next door. Doesn't like the word bulbous, clearly.
0: So those are the words you don't like. i tell you words I don't like. I don't like phlegm. Phlegm's pretty horrible. And it's partly the association Phlegma. with it. It's a difficult yes. word to spell, P-H-L-E-G-M. What's the origin of that?
1: Uh, phlegm is almost certainly greek but quite where it comes from i shall now look it up for you but it's all of it was one of the bodily humors wasn't it so it was very important in medieval medicine because and somebody they, was
0: phlegmatic it suggests that they're even that they're calm that they can cope yeah, with things they because take they had an board. excess
1: of phlegm which obviously wasn't considered to be a very bad thing so it goes back to the greek actually for inflammation or heat or a morbid clammy humor Horrible word, I agree. I think
0: I've seen the word clammy feature on a list of words people don't like. Clammy. clammy.
1: Yes. It says obscure, I'm afraid. Lots of regional variants, but there was a mud or sticky clay in Old English that was known as clome. So because it was sticky, it might then have moved to mean clammy heat.
0: I came across a list of words that made people feel gross or that made them made them feel, oh, or that feeling that you had in the old days when there were blackboards with, that people wrote on uh-huh. like with chalk. Yes. And that noise when either a piece of chalk broke on the blackboard or somebody's finger or fingernail went down the, that scraping sound. Yeah. It's awful. That's, isn't that's
1: it? awful. Is that there, what's, is there's no word for that as far as I know. Ah,
0: well, maybe. Oh, is there? Maybe our purple people can tell us if there's a word for that terrible noise.
1: Let's not linger on that anyway. Well, it's hideous.
0: In the list of words that annoyed people, to my surprise, was the word hubby, short for husband. It apparently Ah. irritates a lot of women
1: and a lot of men
0: don't want to be called hubby. Do you dislike that?
1: I really don't like wifey and in the dictionary it is classed as being derogatory. My little wifey, you know, it's, it's quite patronizing and diminutive and all of that. But actually, Rachel, who's younger than me, said, Oh no, me and my girlfriends use wifey all the time and yes. they wouldn't mind at all if their boyfriend called said my wifey. So that's changed.
0: Absolutely. It's totally changed. I have a friend called Susan Kalman. Do you know yeah. what I mean Look, by her? Yeah. Oh, she's great. Yeah. She I is do. great. And she refers to her wife as my wee wifey. So well, she introduces do. her. Her wife is a very distinguished lawyer. And she yeah. says, Oh, you must meet my wee wifey. And it's not considered. I get
1: that in Scottish. I can get that, actually. Ah. I guess it depends who's using it. I'm not sure I would get it if they weren't Scottish. But anyway, oh. that's just a generational thing, clearly.
0: Two more before we finish on this and we get to our listeners' questions. I want to know about the words gruesome and grisly. We've been talking about words that have either gruesome or grisly origins or words people feel are gruesome and grisly. And I've been pondering what is the origin of those two words?
1: They're fairly onomatopoeia, can't they? Well, gruesome is quite easy, because that goes back to um, a great German word. And we are, as I keep reminding you, a Germanic language at heart. And they have grausam and grausam means horrible or even kind yeah. of inhuman. It's really, really horrible. So we've kept the kind of horror of the word, I think, with grizzly. And the origin of grizzly, I think, is an um, Anglo Saxon verb. Rees, which meant to shudder with horror. But actually further back, we don't quite know where that came from. Again, probably Germanic.
0: Okay, one more question, and then it's Mm. our listeners' questions. Ghastly. What a ghastly selection of Uh, words we've had. It's a ghastly day. Is that anything to do with ghostly? Is it a... uh, Yes.
1: Well... uh, Yes. So the H in there, if you remember, was put there by the Flemish typesetters that William Caxton called over. And they were getting ready for their printing press. They had a lot of experience, which is why William Caxton brought them over. They saw the Old English Ghost, G-O-S-T, and Gast, G-A-S-T, and thought, we need to make... That looked right, because their Flemish word, geest for a ghost, had an H in it. And so they lobbed an H into our words, and that's how we've got the silent H in our ghost, ghastly and aghast, because there was a kind of ricochet effect. That's
0: completely fascinating. Ghostly mm. and ghastly, the H in there, are to do with a printer's, not a printer's error, but a printer's addition.
1: That's why I love it, because it was possibly just one typesetter that so it could be the legacy of one single hand in history that changed our spelling forever.
0: This is amazing. This is why I listen to you every week with awe um, at the magisterial way you understand our language. Thank you for sharing all that Aww. with us, Susie Dent. People write to us, they kindly include my name in the letter, they say, dear Susie and Giles, <laughs> but it's you they want the answers from. So what have they been writing to us about this week?
1: Well, Our regular listeners will know, and you know all too well, Giles, that I had a bit of a horror with my book because it was called Word Perfect and the wrong version was printed and it included lots of typesetting errors. So it was very much Word Imperfect. And uh, we mentioned this in our last pod and we've got an email from someone in Australia. They have signed themselves rather mysteriously as an Antipodean admirer. So whoever you are, thank you very much. But they have sent a newspaper clipping that just mentioned my cats and yammer of a week. And they say, you made it all the way to the odd spot of the Age newspaper here in Melbourne. And they sent a clipping. It said, the lauded lexicographer later tweeted that she could testify to the effectiveness of lalochesia, the use of swearing to alleviate stress and frustration. So thank you very much, our Antipodean admirer. Um, And they also say... Speaking of swearing, here in Straya, we have the phrase no wacks, which is an abbreviation for no wakers, which is itself an abbreviation for no wakin' forries uh, as a <laughs> euphemism. <laughs> is there a name for this process of swapping the initial letters around to hide a cuss word in plain sight? Well, that's the Spoonerism, isn't it?
0: I suppose it like, is in a way.
1: I hissed my mystery lecture, yeah. that kind of thing. But I don't know if there's a specific term for adding a fig leaf to a swear word by doing a spoonerism. But I love that. I will I will go on thinking about that. We must try I love and find the- a
0: word for that. I like it. Adding a fig leaf to a swear word, it's a nice way of putting it. We yeah. must come up with something. Yeah, we uh, certainly must.
1: I agree. Yeah. There's another nice one here, which is appropriate to Halloween, uh, which says, dear Giles and Susie, and they mentioned how funny you are, Charles. I don't know which kind of funny they're talking about, but yeah. I would agree. They say, I was wondering if you can tell me anything about the word galoshes. This month, as we get ready for Halloween and kids get ready to go trick or treating, as it has now become, in Inverclyde, we have always went out on galoshes. So I've not heard of this anywhere else. Is it a word you've heard before? And can you tell me anything about it? This is from Paul Renfrew. Have you heard that? galoshes Giles?
0: Galoshes. How does he spell yeah. it?
1: G a l o s h u n s.
0: Something to do with galoshes? Those that
1: footwear? Well? No. Well, I had I have to say, I had no idea, Paul, about this at all. And um it's one of the wonderful things that the editors of the Scottish dictionary, the Concise Scots Dictionary, have discovered because they 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 knew quite a lot of terms that they thought to be completely obsolete. But now in fact they are learning that they're still current, and this is one of them apparently. They say in the dictionary of the Scots language, Galatians is defined under its original name of Galatian, and takes the name from the ancient province of Galatia in modern-day Turkey. And Galatian was originally the name of a mummer's play performed by boys at Halloween and or Hogman on Hogmanay. And it's first recorded in 1825 in a brilliant Etymological dictionary of the Scottish language, where it says Galatians or boys go about in the evenings at the end of the year, dressed in paper caps and sashes with wooden swords, singing and reciting at the doors of houses. So that's pretty much what we would call guising or going as a geyser, which is pretty much another name for the mummers play so that's a lovely piece of Scottish history that I had no idea about at all me neither no and
0: and you'll see in a moment that it's an extraordinary coincidence but I'll explain that in a minute
1: any other letters this one is from Marina I don't know if you're German Marina if you're not sorry if I gave it the, the German pronunciation but you have asked us about the origin of the word meniscus Uh, so that's either part of the knee or the little rise where a liquid meets glass she says they seem like two totally unrelated things and I never made the connection until I googled how to spell the phenomenon of where a liquid meets glass and got a picture of a knee now I'm intrigued does it have something to do with the shape of them so yes Marina thank you for that it does have everything to do with the shape because it's all about a crescent or crescent shaped Thing. so it can be as you say the curved upper surface of liquid it can be a cartilage within a joint of the knee it can be a, a lens of the eye and they all go back to the greek meniscos, which means little moon or little crescent and that gave us menstruation it gave us month and so on and uh, yeah so that they're, they're all linked but that is the meniscus is a lovely question
0: brilliant have you got three lovely words for us to improve our word power
1: well, sticking with, with um, our Halloween theme, I love this. This is a word that we use in our family and it comes from local dialect. But the only way to make those plastic bags that swing from the boughs of trees and quite often block the landscape, you know, when they get whisked up by the wind and you'll just find them stuffed into a tree branch. We know those as witches knickers. So I love the idea that witches have descended, they've lost their knickers and they've become lodged in the boughs of a tree. So that's what we call them in our family, witches' knickers. Good. Anything else? Yes. So there is also something that you and I probably both suffer from. Um, forgive me if I've mentioned this before, but I have just been on a spending spree on buying some books because I felt like I didn't have anything that would completely distract me and I really needed some distraction. So I suffered momentarily from a bibliophobia which is the fear of being without books a bibliophobia
0: a bibliophobia it's all one word beginning with a a bibliophobia
1: yes. a meaning without there so amoral all of that stuff oh. it means without so the fear of being without books very good so i was a bibliophobic and finally just some people might want to apply this to politicians or someone in their life or you know i know everyone's got a bit of kind of anger to vent at the moment and this might be quite useful ballotronic Balatronic means pertaining to a clown or buffoon. A
0: trio of delights. I've got a little poem for you this week, and I okay. chose it before I knew which letters you were going to respond to from our listeners. And that you came up with that word Galatians really struck me because, obviously, I now know it's to do with Galatians. There were letters to the Galatians from St Paul or someone in the oh, Bible. Yes, aren't in there? the epistles. In the epistles, yeah, exactly. But I had already decided my poem for you this week because I found I had a pair of them. It was raining yesterday, and I got out a pair of galoshes. You know what galoshes
1: ah, are? Ah, yeah. I mean, they come up quite high, don't they?
0: They do. They're, they're sort yeah. of, they're like boots that you put over your shoes, and they're, they're made of rubber, and yeah. they, they're to keep the wet out. And once upon yeah. a time, they were very fashionable. But the curious thing is, when you said galoshans, I thought this is unbelievable, because she doesn't know that the poem I want to share is called galoshes. So it's oh, just wow. a coincidence. Life is full of coincidences.
1: There you go. Shall I just tell you where galoshes come from? Oh, I want to know, from. please. It was a shoemakers kind of model. You know what they call them the shoemakers last? Yep. And it comes from the Greek for wooden foot. And then it went on to mean a wooden shoe, I guess a clog, and then an overshoe. But I imagine that they are the older version of today's Crocs, which are everywhere.
0: And... The person who wrote this poem was Once Upon a Time Everywhere. He was a, a journalist called Paul Jennings, and he wrote a verse. And this poem is called simply Galoshes. I am having a rapprochement with galoshes, and some would say this heralds middle age. Yes, sneering, they would say, does he also wear pince Old Josses wore galoshes when women's hats were cloches. Ha! Wooden well, combinations of this dodderous next stage, well, let the people snigger, just because my feet look bigger. For colossal in galoshes, they are dry among the sploshes. A story that won't wash is the story that galoshes so dry at slushy crossings make a man a sloppy figure. Oh, crossly and still crossly, I have bought shoes even costlier, which still quite new let water through before I've crossed the street. There's nothing manly, I repeat, in always having cold, wet feet, and I utterly refuse the expression over shoes. To make galoshes manly, I would scorn this feeble ruse.
1: That's amazing. Can I also say what's amazing, Giles, is that so often when you do, are you still doing your poem a day on Twitter?
0: No, I did 150 okay. and now I do them That's occasionally. Amazing. So I do well, them off and on.
1: You memorise these things and I know you've written a lot about these, but you memorise them. I and. Do. I know you think that's a that's really good exercise for the brain and things, but it's astonishing how every single day, those 150 days, you just recited a poem from heart. Yeah. That's incredible. Well, that well, was what your book was called, wasn't it? It learning was, thank
0: you. Dancing yeah. by the Light of the Moon. That's it sick. was about the power of learning poetry by heart. It keeps the yeah. synapses supple and it's good for us, particularly as you get a little bit older, as yeah. I am. You've just got to, you know, the brain is a muscle. If you don't use it, you lose it. Yeah. And it's fun to learn poetry by heart. I love doing it. And so there we are. What a constance. You bring up Galatians, yes, Galatians, 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 And I've got Galoshes to wear for you. Well, Excellent. Then we are. That's us Enjoy making a splash. That's our lot for this week. I think that was our 82nd podcast. Oh, wow. And we'd better keep going. I don't know what we're going to talk about next week, but I want, as Christmas approaches, I want to challenge you one week. I want to give you lots of games and puzzles to play as Christmas okay. approaches.
1: Excellent. I look forward to that. Well, Something Rhymes With Purple is a Something Else production. It was produced by Lawrence Bassett with additional production from Steve Ackerman, Ella McLeod, Jay Beal, and the ever-invisible, actually, Gully.
0: He's Bellatronic.
1: Oh, well, I always knew that. <laughs>